surprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest escapes these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives and to the people who haven't yet looked into it. Let me give you a heads up. The Business and Sports Discourse podcast is going really well. We're putting out two to three episodes a week, nice bite-sized episodes of about 20 minutes or so, where we talk about the intersection of business and endurance sports. So before we kind of kind of marketed it as a a, uh, intersection of business and just any kind of sport. But the fact of the matter is me and Jason, we love endurance sports and that's really all we talked about. So uh, just to give you a heads up, that's really uh, where we are with that show. We love doing it. And if you love this podcast, then you probably love endurance sports as well. And you might want to give it a try. So this week we're actually talking about Let's see. We talked about uh, the troubles that Iron Man has gone through in terms of reestablishing what it's trying to do. We're going to talk on Friday about Lululemon's acquisition of Mirror. And last week, we talked about the return of Spartan Race. And these are the sorts of things we're really excited about. Next week, we're going to have an interview with Cody Beals, who's just a fantastic person and triathlete. Can't wait to put that out there. So go give it a shot. I think you'll really like it. Today's episode here on the Rambling Runner podcast, however, is a Coach's Corner episode where I talk to two of the athletes I've been working with. I couldn't wait to put this out because these are two athletes. I mean, frankly, all the athletes I work with are just awesome in each of their own separate ways. These two in particular, I couldn't wait to bring to you. Seth Baird is first. I put out a podcast with him, uh, say, about six months ago after his first marathon because I thought it was instructional for a lot of people and talk about how he transitioned from bodybuilding, of all things, uh, to uh, basically endurance running and marathoning and, and all that. And I couldn't wait to get him on here because just like all of us, he's had kind of a, a weird spring in terms of training. He's battled some nagging injuries. And then he went out and set a PR in a virtual 5K. He finally broke the 19-minute mark, which is something he's been wanting to do for a while. But it was a really unique situation, and I couldn't wait to bring it to you. Uh, it actually gets a little emotional at the end, which I love Seth for because he is, he is a man's man of all things. However, he's not afraid to let you know how he feels, uh, even when, you know, it, it can be a little emotional. And shoot, I loved it even more when he did that. And I just love this guy so much. I'm sure you will as well. Second episode, uh, second, second episode, the second part of the episode is with Allison Hodge. Allison has a superpower. She can run all day long. It is truly remarkable. And I couldn't wait to talk to her about that, about what she's been doing in the spring in terms of basically doing as many kind of unique races as possible. Obviously, races here is in quotes because so many of our races have been changed. Uh, so talk about that. Talk about that experience. Bouncing back from a uh, her goal race, her goal half marathon, where she didn't quite reach her goal and how she you know kind of used that now and how she's kind of used that moving forward. And then also talking about a 5K she's got coming up. So she normally loves doing the longer races doesn't really do the shorter races, but she's run a 5K this weekend, and we talked about that. Uh, we also talked about just the process by which we all kind of use our best judgment about doing races. So the races, she, the race she's going to do this coming weekend is a, a traditional 5K. It's a very, very small race. The race is uh, going to be, you know, they're kind of doing the social, social distance modeling. They're using chip times, so people aren't going to be on top of each other. But I wanted to talk about this because this is some of the calculus that a lot of us are going through, is that oftentimes races are canceled, but some races aren't. They're really small, and they're doing all the things that they can to ensure safety for the runners. And then us as runners, we have to make a decision what works for us and our family and the people that we come into contact with. And we're all in different situations. You know, for me, I have people in my life who have compromised immune systems. So this sort of activity would not be up my alley. There's other people uh, that we know that maybe can do this sort of thing uh, or do have this kind of latitude. And in those situations, I think it's important to to go into context and to go into the gray areas and figure out how the best way we can approach them. So that's why I want to include that part as well. And I hope you enjoy this episode. We're going to be putting out more of these in the future because not only are these is it just fun to highlight amazing people, which is the whole point of this podcast, frankly, 
But also, you know, these folks are kind of going through or have gone through things that I think so many of us uh, deal with or have dealt with or will deal with in the future. So it's just nice to see how other people are tackling these sorts of things. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. And I hope you enjoy it with Seth Baird and Allison Hodge. Seth Baird, the Charlotte superhero. I'm so excited to chat. Yes, yes, Matt. Thanks for having me on. This is great to touch base and catch up a bit. So I'm so excited to talk with you. This is our first conversation uh, since your magical weekend. This is going to be fantastic. You just absolutely crushed a huge goal of yours. I can't wait. I'll, I'm not even going to say what it was because I'm going to let you uh, tell the details because it was your event. But you have been on the podcast before after your first marathon several months ago. You came on and uh, a lot of people liked that episode. So if you haven't listened to Seth's previous episode please go do so uh, i thought that went really well uh but let's talk about this because you know this this entire spring for most runners not just you but especially for you was not exactly what you had planned so post post 2019 fall early winter marathon after that recovery period, let's talk about what happened next because it kind of, you know, kind of sets the stage for this atypical training we had to do and then ultimately shocking PR that resulted from it. Yes, yes. It's very unbelievable. Um, but I'm excited, very excited and to see where things go from here. All right. So let's talk about it because you had – yeah, first of all, let's just talk about some of the injury stuff because you had, you know, post – you know, you're in, I shouldn't say post, but let's dive into from before that. Leading into your marathon, we were constantly juggling nagging injuries. So nothing that was too overt to postpone the marathon or to stop training for weeks at a time, but just constant things. And you basically, we just weren't able to stay over 40 miles a week consistently because then things would start to flare up. And then uh, in early in 2020, we started going down that path again. Yeah, it was... The buildup to the marathon, I mean, all the excitement was there, but it was almost like the body just wasn't prepared for the amount of training. I mean, we had a great slow buildup. Things were going well, but there were nagging right hip issues, shin splints that bounced back and forth. All I think probably could be contributed to a relatively new runner. And to be frank, I wasn't the best athlete to coach at the time because I wasn't a hundred percent honest with all of those aches and pains. And eventually it did set me up to not run as strong as I would like to have for the marathon, but it was a learning lesson for sure. And unfortunately some of those injuries are still kind of popping up here and there, but we're finding one way or another to work through them. Right. Exactly. So early 2020, once you've, when you finished up, we had visions of like, okay, we're going to set up a new, you know, the new training plan for the year. We're going to try to have, to make it a two marathon year. This was kind of pre-COVID, obviously. Um, but even once we, basically, once we set the marathons for the spring and the fall, about a month later, we kind of had to start looking around like, all right, is this going to happen? Because it just, you just couldn't get that consistent mileage in. Again, nothing, nothing too drastic, but it just, it never really came together from an injury standpoint. No, no, not at all. And I remember after the marathon, you know, we took some time off. Uh, body got to the point where it was feeling very good. And I was really excited to dive in. We had a strong, I consider a strong spring lineup with a um, handful of shorter distances, half marathon. I believe we had two of them on the schedule, um, along with, you know, two marathons for the year. And going into, I think it was January some of the same nagging things started to creep back in. It was kind of my mental game was there, but the body was trying to tell me something. Right. So to put that in perspective in, you know, in January, we started to really get back into training late December, early January, February, you were averaging around 37 miles a week in March. You were just under 40 miles a week. And then April was like, basically a lost month from a running perspective. I mean, you were able to cross train, but April was almost a no go. And then we kind of started picking up again slowly in May. And now you're back up to over 30 miles a week again, right around 30 now after a slow build in May. So 
just so people are aware, what happened end of March leading into April that finally just caused us to just say, you know what, that's it. We can't just, we have to be running on pause. It was actually, it was something that had been building for a little bit. I'd had aches and pains in my right shin specifically. Um, and it's kind of been building for a while. And there, one day came, I think it was, I guess it was mid-February where I think I ran, we had scheduled maybe five or six miles and I ran 0.12 miles and I stopped and was just like, this is stupid. I can't do this anymore. Something's, something's giving, something went at that point. Um, and I remember I, you know, called you afterwards and, you know, we kind of chat a little bit about it, but it was like, something's got to change and my body's not ready. And it was just through the towel and the pain was extremely sharp creeping up the right leg. Um, happened primarily when I went to explode off of my right foot. So the landing was okay. But then when I tried to, you know, push through, it wasn't happening, just wasn't happening. Right. Right. And then we basically just did a full transition to the bike. Yeah. We, we went cold Turkey. It was miles were out the window. Running was out the window. We were heavy into bike at that point. And what was that like for you? Moving all the way into the bike, you know, you, you'd cross trained on the bike a decent amount at that point. And you're, you know, as, as we've talked about in our previous episode, you know, you're just an all around athlete. But what was it like just going 100% into that? The transition was tough. I've always been that kind of, you know, athlete that you can push your body through whatever. Um, and so it was shock in the beginning. Um, mentally, it was hard to realize that I had to take a step back and not partake in something that I enjoy so much. But fortunately for me, um, cross training and cycling was a big outlet. I mean, the fact that I could get not exactly the same, but similar style workouts, it took a while, of course, to realize this. Um, but it really, it took, I mean, it took off. Once we got into it, I started to look forward to it again. I was able to push the effort. So I was breathing hard, even on the cycle, um, seeking out hills, trying to find miles. Cause all of a sudden my neighborhood that I run through was all of a sudden way too, I don't want to say small, but to be cycling, you know, I like to run partly outside cause I can go different places and cycling. It's only so many times you can do that certain loop before you're looking for more. So it's like, I dove in a hundred percent on the bike, I actually purchased my first road cycle and it's really opened doors and also changed my perspective on the importance of training smart. Yeah. And we really went hard with those workouts. Like it wasn't like, all right, we're going to do the bike, but it's going to be easy to moderate because we don't want to aggra you know, aggravate anything because of the injury you had, you know, with, with the, the shin splints, we were able to just bust it out on the bike. And, you know, we, you were, you were really working hard. And on the weekends, you would even just do these mammoth rides. Yes. Yes. I mean, and the great thing is with this, the bike, I had absolutely no pain. It was like, it was non-existent. So I could hop on the bike and I mean, you know, not to put like to beat myself up to really get after it and get a really good workout. I mean, 30, 40, I had my first 50 mile ride, uh, I believe it was last month. And that was a big milestone. It's just, I mean, we really were finding ways to get the work done. And when you had that six week span, and I'm including kind of when we started getting back into running, but the first two weeks was really just like testing it. You know, the first two weeks really wasn't much running at all. Um, so you really went six weeks where it was almost exclusively biking. Yes. So during that time, did you notice anything different just from a physiological standpoint? I noticed there were certain aches and pains that I had developed in my knees that I think I've kind of adjusted to over the last few years that went away. Um, little nuances as far as just the, I don't really know how to describe it, just the, the solidness, I guess you could say, to my legs, quads, hamstrings, felt more stable with steps. Um, that many miles, hard miles, I started to feel my legs actually developing, um, which I think was a huge plus when it came to running. I didn't realize it at the time, but that was one of the big things I noticed. I also was able to pay more attention to my hydration, which I, you know, really have struggled that with running, but with cycling, it's easier to carry the water. And so realizing the importance of staying hydrated for a lot of these long efforts, um, 
I've actually brought that back into my running and I'm more conscious of that now. And so there's a lot of pluses that came from cycling. And one thing you struggled with was just salt retention, right? You sweat out a ton of salt and know that everyone, this is the individualistic side of it because everyone is so different in regards to this sort of thing. But, you know, you're someone who like will have like the salt ring, you know, on your clothes and things like that. So as you progressed through the cycling, were you just consuming water or was there something else that you were taking to make sure that you were, you know, staying on top of all aspects of your, you know, kind of mid-exercise nutrition? Just for simplicity reasons, I would actually do one of my water bottles would be pure water, the other one Gatorade. Um, and I would make a conscious effort to go back and forth throughout that ride. And so I think that really did help. I mean, the salt crystals that would show up on me was to the point where my nieces were like, Ugh, at the end of a marathon, like, what's on you? I mean, it's it was pretty grotesque at times. Um, but it just shows you how much, you know, my body just really that water just drains off of me. Um, and of course that catches up, especially in these hot summer days. So what was your fitness like when we started to get back into running and you got to the point where you were able to kind of test yourself a little bit? I felt like a much stronger runner, but I was brief. It, I did lose some of my running ability as far as just from a cardiovascular sense. I mean, we put a lot of heavy workouts in on the bike, but running, it almost felt like a, you know, duck waddle the first couple of runs. It was like, what is this? This is foreign to me now. Um, trying to find that rhythm again was a challenge. Um, and it actually helped in some of our first few faster efforts, just short intervals, um, picking up the pace for me to really find that rhythm with running again. And also the whole confidence of I was running in pain for so long. I was so hesitant to actually run. Um, you made the advice to really take, you know, sh short steps, short strides as much as possible. Um, almost felt like I was stutter stepping down the greenways um, just because I was so worried about when's that pain going to hit? When's it going to hit? And fortunately, it didn't. Yeah, exactly. And then when did you get to the point and maybe you never even did because, you know, when we even you know shot a couple messages back and forth before your uh, 5K last weekend, you know, we had kind of a different, a different kind of uh, idea in mind in terms of your pacing. But when did you start to get the feeling that not only were you starting to revitalize your fitness, but you might all of a sudden be on kind of a new plane? We did a couple intervals where we did kind of just one minute on, two minutes off. And in those little efforts, the off periods, it, it started to just generally feel much smoother. And it was, I was, you know, check the watch. I'm, you know, a closet watch checker. I just all the time I'm looking at my watch, which I shouldn't do, but I do. And I was realizing like, wow, like that's what I was running. Well, that didn't feel that bad. Well, let's see what I can do on the next one. And I think one of the first interval workouts we did like that, um, I just opened up with it for the last minute. And I think I was around 530 or so pace um, for a minute interval and get done. And I'm like, that really wasn't that bad at all. I mean, yeah, sure. It was hard, but what else can we do? Um, and so a lot of the workouts that we had lined up, you know, I always try my hardest to stay to the paces, but when we were working back into running, I was able to hit and maintain these paces, which much less effort than I remember last fall when we were doing a lot of our hard workouts. And so that's when I realized something changed. And this is a great example of how some people are just better at certain things. So for you, speed was never really the issue. So, you know, in terms of, you know, all right, how much speed did I lose? That was never really a problem. It was more just like, all right, can we, how much aerobic base can we maintain and how much of that can we get back? Um, not that we had like a certain date in mind, like our, we have this A race that we need to get back for post injury. And can we, can we make it work? And if not, maybe we'll have a different conversation. Um, but it just seems like ultimately, you know, maintaining and slash improving your aerobic capacity really is what unlocked this because this weekend, man, you should, you really brought it. Like I, I put in your plan, like don't go faster than 630 pace for the first mile, thinking that you would probably run this 5K roughly a minute slower than you did based on kind of where you were, you know, shoot, two months ago you weren't running at all. And now here you are. So like when you when you saw the original plan, 
I'd love to hear this. Like, this is like, <laughs> all right, this is like a time to like throw your coach completely under the bus. Yeah, but yeah. Um, when you saw my original plan, what were, what were your thoughts? My first thought, to be to be honest, because I still, I mean, I haven't run a 5K. I think the last one was last May, maybe early May of 2019. And to be honest, I still am in that kind of reserve mode that like, can your body handle it? Can your body do it? And when I saw it, I was like, okay, 630, that seems quick. But at the same time, I kind of want to beat my last 5K. And I haven't done any speed work in a long time. But I was like, okay, well, that's a modest rush. I'll, I'll do my best to stick to that 630. But I feel like I might have a hard time doing that. Um, but, you know, I always, I know you have my best interest in mind with it too. Um, so I'm like, I'm just going to do my best 630, 630, just dial it in. Um, then we get out there and that quickly went out the water. I mean, <laughs> you were at least close this time. You're one of those runners who habitually will go out a little too hot. You know, sometimes I have to do the all caps in the race plan. Like, all right, please yep. don't go faster than this. Please, my goodness. Um, but all right. So, yeah. So first mile, but you were on 623. Yeah. Yeah. And during that first mile, there were a couple times I glanced down and saw, you know, oh, I'm closer to six, got to slow down. And I've realized that one of the big things, and people probably think I'm crazy, um, I verbally, out loud, tell myself, slow the heck down, dude, slow down. And I even do the double hand, bring it down, bring it down when I'm out there running nowadays, because I know it's so important. Um, and so I found myself doing that twice during that first mile. Like, you're just feeling fresh. This is going to catch up. It's going to catch up. Right. Because we went into this race. This was not like a goal race. This was almost just like a fitness test in a way. Like, we didn't plan on, we didn't do a lot of 5K pacing work. We didn't do any of that stuff. It was just like, all right, let's see. Let's see where we're at. So it's not as if I had like, you know, normally in this situation, you and I, especially the week of, would have been like, okay, let's do like maybe, you know, two to three miles worth of like quarter mile repeats where we go out at 5k pace just so we practice yeah. it right so you're like all right this is what it should feel like when i start running you know so you do like 5k pace again maybe eight to ten times off like a two minute rest so you're basically feeling fresh at the beginning of each one so it's just practicing all right how does this feel when i'm fresh yes so that you can kind of dial that in again we didn't do that <laughs> So you really, you know, we're in a, in a unique position because I kind of viewed this and you know, I know that you did too, because you hadn't, it's been a year since you've run a 5k. I was like, all right, this will just be fun. Let's see what we can do here. And let's see where our fitness is at. You run the 623. What is the thinking at that point? At that point, I felt good. And I just said, just open up and just go. Um, it's just, it's almost like I saw that pace at 630 pace. I'm like, okay. He's giving you a strict timelet or, you know, window, hold it here. Let your body adjust to the pace. If you can accomplish that and you feel good, then just run. And that was one of the most fun just moments. Cause at the end of the first mile, I realized, you know, I do feel good. I do have quite a bit of fitness here. Let's just open up and just, just run, just go for it. I had jokingly told my wife, I was going to, you know, drop 18 something and you know, not really knowing, you know, I always talk big games. I told her, you know, last week I was going to Olympics, um, but 18 something. And then once I got through that first mile, I realized that, man, you might actually have a shot at this. All right. So it's also important to remember that this is a virtual race setting. So no one's around you. So what was that like? Just, you know, putting your, putting your body to the test, but without that, you know, the normal social nature of a race. Well, the first issue that came up was, you know, I did run pretty early. My wife um, works as a nurse here in Charlotte. And so she was working 12 hour shifts. So I knew I had to get up early to get it done. My um, mother and my wife, you know, asked me, you know, are you even going to be able to see where you're running in the morning? Because the original plan was running on the greenways. Um, so and then I, Tell the people what time you woke up, because that's the best part. <laughs> I woke up at three o'clock. Well, I actually woke up a handful of times, I think about 2.45, I really was awake and then three o'clock came around. I'm like, okay, let's get moving. At this point, I mean, it's race day. I mean, I knew I was going to be running by myself, but all of the motions were there. Just like I was, you know, hitting a normal, you know, big lineup for a big race. Um, and so, yeah, so I woke up three o'clock, breakfast in around 3.15, um, start eating. And at this point, I already got music going. And I realized, I look out the window that, yo, know, you can't see. There's no light out there. 
And so I had to quickly scramble and realize, well, there is a loop that has one lamppost that I know then casts enough shadow, you know, where I can see the course on the backside of it and just hit that loop. So drove up there and to be honest, there was one other person out there. One of the neighbors actually, you know, said, Hey to me, um, pitch dark. And so I was like, okay, that's all I needed. Let's get after it. Um, but it was surreal. It was very surreal to run in nearly the pitch dark. And also it's hard to maintain paces when it's dark. Right. Cause you can't judge your speed against your surroundings. No, not at all. And it was, that was probably the most challenging. Um, and so my pace did bounce around a little bit. Um, but I made sure to put the watch on the light on all the time setting. So I could at least, I wasn't struggling to see where I'm at with things. Um, but it was surreal. It was, it was way different than any other race I've lined up for, but it was just the same excitement and feeling and energy as the races I've lined up for. All right. So let's talk about the last mile. Cause anyone who's ever raced a 5k as, as hard as they can knows what that last half mile mile feels like, you know, mile number two could feel that way for some people. If they go out too hard where it's like, Oh, like, I don't know how I'm going to hold this. I got to slow down, but you luckily weren't in that position this time. So you end up running 623. What was the second mile? Second mile was around six, about six flat. Okay. So about six flat. So a, a drastic increase in speed. Talk to me about the pain cave and what you had to do mentally to kind of keep your, your, your physical body moving during this last mile. That, I mean, that second mile, that definitely did me in. I realized that, you know, just running smart and then opening wide up, you know, that really caught up to me during that second mile. But I think there are so many reasons I run, um, for one, it was Father's Day, so my little girl's everything, and so really wanting to prove it was to my barely s- Father's Day, dude. It was like <laughs> two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, so she's sleeping away, and you know she did. We, I do still have a medal from it, and so she did get to see that later on. Um, she wished me happy birthday instead of uh, happy Father's Day, but we we rolled with it. Um, but there's so many reasons I run, and I'm so fortunate to be able to run that why not open up and just put the pedal to the metal? You haven't raced in this long. You've been hurt. Who knows if I'll ever be able to do this again at this pace, which of course I hope to continue improving. But that's where I went during that second mile and into that third mile. It was just, it's it hurts, but it's worth it. And this is what I love. I just, I love that feeling of riding on the edge. And so that carried me into that third mile. It really did. Okay, you've already described yourself as a constant clock watcher. Trying to break 19 has been a goal of yours for a long time. You were obviously very aware that you were going to be very close to it as yes. you as you progressed through that third mile. What were you able, how much were you able to to run without looking at your watch in that final quarter mile or so? The final I actually did away with the watch. At that point I was hurting too bad that I knew any movement out of the running motion could throw me off. And so I was just like, don't even just run, just run. And I kind of knew what point I needed to get to on the course. And so just keeping my eyes on that point, um, just get there. You got to get there. Um, that's what really, and I did open up my stride quite a bit in that last mile. Um, thinking, cause I'm, I've always had a long stride, especially when I'm sprinting, which is, you know, kind of the opposite of the things I'm training for now but I felt like if I could just open up enough, cover as much ground at each stride as possible, it would carry me through. Um, and that's what I stuck to it. And it, it did. <laughs> it did. Yeah. It sure did. So what was the final time? Tell the people. The the final mile came in at 5.55. Um, and the overall time was 18.56, I believe. I ran a little bit more than the 5k just to play it safe because it is virtual um but we did break 19 we broke it broke it I, it was the first thing i saw when i woke up in the morning i couldn't believe it i was so excited i was flabbergasted i was like wait this is the 5k it happens we've had all these other 5ks that we've trained for that we thought it was going to happen this was the one that happened the one where the training was completely off the rails and yet here it is. I, you always learn stuff. And I think you and I both learned a lot from this training cycle. I'm so excited. 
uh, for you just moving forward. Cause I feel like we found, again, we're not, not as if we're going to follow the exact same recipe, but I think we both learned, especially when it comes to you, your ability, your training and your makeup that we don't have to necessarily keep pushing the miles that there's other ways to do it for you and, and do it in a way that you can enjoy and yet continue to build that fitness. Yes, absolutely. And I do have to say that um, you had a recent guest on uh, John uh, Ranieri and he mentioned at the end of his treadmill um, feat that having that moment to finish on your own before you get overwhelmed by the crowd, finishing in the dark with no one there. I mean, it's, it's an accomplishment and it's, you never get to really feel that emotion because everyone in your family's there, your friends are at the end of a race and they just sweep in, sweep you off your feet and you really never get to embrace that one moment where you just did something. That's all you. And it hit. I mean, it's it's amazing what the what what you can do if you put your mind to it, and you have everything you need in you already. And I'm I'm, I'm I just can't wait to see what the future holds, and it's especially with considering the times right now. It's it was big. It was big, and I'm damn proud. You should be. You've worked so hard for this, and. No matter how hard someone works and how prepared they are for a race, ultimately, we all hit those points where there's that last 3%, right? You've done 90% of the work. It's that last 3%. Are you going to relent or are you going to go as hard as you can and not give an inch? And those are the moments where, again, no matter how fast we run, we know what we did when the moment called for us to be at our best and to not give in. And and you were you you were everything you could be in those moments on uh, on Sunday, and you know kudos to you for doing it. And it's just so it's just so amazing to, to witness, and I'm so proud uh, to know you and to and to be part of this in a small way. Um, I know you. I know that you're always you always have a million things cooking. What what are some of the things that are that uh, you know have you excited for you know future events that you want to take part in? I mean just. Of course, I, I mean, I can't wait to get back with everyone else and line up at a race when, you know, all the energy and excitement's there. Um, I'm really hoping that Savannah, um, this fall, is still on the docket. Um, love to go and get that BQ, um, regardless of whether it happens or not. But overall, I mean, just getting better. I mean, I feel like there's so much potential that I have that, you know, with great guidance and a great network around me, um, especially here in the Charlotte area and beyond, it's it's wild to think of what is possible. And I'm just looking forward to seeing what the future has in hold for us. I know. Maybe we should just go the, 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 old, the bike only run yeah, practice. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We're only going to run on race day. We're just going to bike That's all it. the other times. That's it. I'm there. I'm there. Now I kind of <laughs> miss the bike. It's, it's hanging up in the garage right now. And I'm really like, wow, it's been, I mean, I get like one day on it a week and I kind of miss it. But um, right now running's feeling great and the legs are responding well. So I'm thrilled. I'm very excited. Well, I think, you know, when we, as we move forward, I think for us, it's going to be really like being able to build the mileage in a way where it's not breaking down your body, especially with the long runs, right? Try to get as yeah. many two hour long, two hour runs, you know, between two to two and a half hours um, as we can moving forward is having the same conversation with Kara Hep uh, a week ago, you know, getting as many of those as we can moving forward so that not only are you ready aerobically for the marathon, but that your ligaments and connective tissue are just used to those kinds of days. Again, almost taking the speed part out of it. Just say, yeah. hey, go run for yeah. two hours. I don't care how far you go. You just need to be on your feet for that long because, th you know, this 5K shows that, like, you don't need to be, you know, doing a ton of speed work for the speed to come out. Yeah. And with these longer distances, that part's going to be, even less important than say it would be for the 5k. So for me, it's like, all right, how can we just keep building up this aerobic engine and do so in a sustainable way? And if that means shoot once a month, we're saying, Hey, scrap the long run. We're going to go ride the bike for three hours. Like, I think there's a place for that, frankly. I like it. Yeah, no, I like that. And fortunately now I'm very proficient at changing, uh, bike tires. Um, 
thin. So I've definitely stretched things out and I'm, I'm really excited about that. I think that'll really help. Me too. Seth, congratulations. Thank you for sharing this with us. Also, hey, this is a, this is a coaching call too. And, I, and I'm really excited to continue moving forward. And you know, we'll just continue to, at this point, just start building that mileage. So see if we can get it in in the 40s, but in a way that's not you know breaking down your body and, and that we're doing the stuff on the side to make sure that you know we're taking care of you and, and get you to the point where, hey, you're in that 40 mile range again, because when I say 40 miles, this includes an off day and you do one day uh, where we do cross training. So it's really 40 miles on five days a week uh, to put that in perspective for everyone listening, because that's how we've always done it. And that seems to be working, uh, especially kind of taking a load off uh, to the point where, hey, let's continue to do that and get those two hour runs in and go into that next marathon instead of feeling like, hey, we got here. He's 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 put together with, you know, half duct tape, but we're at the starting <laughs> yeah. line. You know, instead we're like, hey, you know, I, you know, after that taper, I'm feeling really good and let's go, let's go crush it. I like it. I like it. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. All right. I'll talk to you later. Hey, folks, before we get into it, uh, just a quick heads up. Right before we released this episode, Allison Hodge told me that she, in fact, will not be making her trip down to Texas for her 5K. She just ultimately decided that that wasn't the best option for her, but instead will be running a virtual 5K this weekend. So obviously our uh, race plans that you'll be hearing later still certainly apply to what she will be doing. But some of the other conversations that we have, while it will not apply to her for this weekend, may apply to some of the things that you're considering as you kind of venture through what's best for you and your family regarding race season and things of that nature. So again, thank you so much for listening and let's get into it. Allison, thanks for coming on the show to do a, uh, you know, a, a, a kind of like a typical coaching call that we would have. I'm excited to chat with you. We actually had a chance to talk in a group setting uh, earlier last week. We talked with everyone who's considering uh, a a fall slash winter slash 2021 marathon. So it's always nice to talk to you, uh, especially more than once in one week. So first of all, thanks for coming on. Awesome. Yes, it was very cool to have a Zoom and see the other athletes and you as well. Well, I was excited to talk to you because you have had a very interesting spring, right? Because you had the uh, the half marathon in Arkansas, which was a goal race for you. Uh, and then since then, things have been um, just all over the place. Like we talked before this in terms of just your interest. You were like, hey, man, I like having my plate full with activities. Um, so let's just talk about, you know, now that you've had some distance uh, from the half marathon and that, that being a goal race, how do you feel about how you kind of prepared for that race executed and then ultimately recovered from it as well? Um, I felt very like prepared going into it and I feel like it just was not my day as far as, you know, the weather was harder than normal and then the course was kind of difficult and I feel like maybe a different setting, it would have definitely happened and I would have reached my goal. And then I feel like I've recovered and then I've gotten to do different distances and different challenges. And so I definitely feel um, all of the workouts have been great. Yeah, because the goal was to break two hours in the yes. half. Yes. So we're just, we're just a couple of minutes shy of that. Um, after the race, did you feel like this urge to kind of sign back up for another half marathon to try to go after that goal? Or what were you feeling in regards to your own interests and goals? Um, I mean, of course I was a little disappointed, but it's always going to be my goal. Like uh, everybody that I meet, I say, this is my goal. And like, that's what I'm kind of working towards. And now that, you know, everything's kind of up in the air, it's, um, well now I just want to have fun and do different races, but it's definitely still the top of my goal list, like number one goal that I'm still working towards. Got it. All right. So let's talk about just the the panoply of races that you got involved with in the spring, obviously with some of this stuff, you know, saying a race is kind of in quotes because we have, you know, the virtual races and while your effort, um, you know, in, you know, as someone who's put on virtual races now um, throughout the spring, you know, going as hard as you can in any capacity is completely legit, but then also doing so in a virtual setting can be a little disorienting and a little different, what has been your experience with, with some of these races in terms of the good and the bad? 
Um, definitely like the good is just seeing on social media, like how excited people are getting and like just the hype about them. And I was like, I want to do that too. And so just signing up for different stuff. Like I did the Yeti challenge. And so that was like trying to logistically figure out, okay, what's my route going to be? I don't want to see the same thing five times. And you know, how am I going to eat? When am I going to sleep? And just figuring that out was kind of fun. I'd never experienced that before. And then during all this, um, I've figured out I really like trails too. And so I'm like, oh, that'll open a whole lot of more races when they start opening up because you can do trails and road. Where you live, do you have a lot of trail access and are you able to do a lot of trail racing once things, you know, say they get back to normal in 2021? Yes. Like um, I live in Arkansas and it's the natural state and we have 52 state parks and um, they all have some race capacity. There's like a hundred miler that everyone does uh, not in my wheelhouse right now, but, um, there's definitely a lot of the state parks have, um, half marathons throughout the year that I can easily sign up for as soon as they start opening up. So then what was your hesitation in the past with doing more trail running like you're doing now? I was like scared about it because I am really clumsy and I thought I'm going to fall and I'm going to get injured and it's going to keep me from the road and then it takes longer. And so, you know, instead of being out there two hours to do a half, I would be out there for like three to three and a half. And so, you know, you just have to like adjust your mindset. And so I was like, well, I don't want to be out there all day just to run the same distance. But now it's like, you kind of have nothing else to do. Might as well go out there all day and have fun. So what was your experience in terms of like worrying about falling and the clumsiness aspect and just, you know, and shooting and falling on the trails? It can be no joke, especially if you're going downhill. I mean, that's a legitimate thing for runners and, you know, run of of all abilities and of all paces and even of all experiences. So what was it like for you negotiating that terrain? Um, it's still pretty difficult. I was still like constantly washing my feet and like making sure I'm not too close to anybody or, you know, looking ahead It's constantly like thinking in your, in your head. But then as far as like the road, when you have different concerns, what you think about, you're thinking, you know, just about yourself and like your feet and your footing. And so just, you think about different things. And so there's still a chance that you could fall, but I mean, you'll get back up and have a good time. So what was your favorite spring race? Um, I actually did one, um, it was called the Mount Magazine 15K, where we went up basically a mountain, like the first three were absolutely flat. And then the next um, six miles, you're going up the whole time. And, you know, it was just that feeling of you haven't been able to do race, they finally have a race and how they figured it out was, um, you just showed up between six and eight, you just walked out to the start line and you started you brought your own nutrition, you crossed the finish line, and then you walked off. And so it was just like, I was so eager to get out there and had so many canceled races. And so it was just nice to sign up for something that they actually had and get to see, you know, people that are actually doing the same thing you are, like with the running community was really good. And explain to us how it worked out from a communal standpoint. Obviously, like you just said, in terms of starting the race and finishing it, um, you know, with trail racing, kind of the community aspect is one is one thing that people really gravitate towards. It's part of the reason once people start trail racing, they kind of stick with it because it does just feel different in the community than a lot of road racing does. So what was your experience like on that front? I mean, I definitely did not get that because of this, you know, unique situation, but, um, I definitely be more interested because trail owners do, they love their trails and they love like the new people and showing them, you know, all the shoes they need and all the gear. And you do feel like it's kind of like a running family. Um, I actually, I run for an organization called team beef and, um, they, we have like our own little community at road races and, um, there's not a whole lot of people of those runners that do um, trail races. And so I know when I go to road races, most likely I'm going to see someone wearing the same Jersey. And so you kind of instantly have that community like, Hey, I'm part of what you're a part of. So that's kind of cool. Now, one thing, this is like your superpower, Allison. It's like, it's, it's funny because it's kind of the opposite of Seth Baird, who I'm also talking to as part of this episode. Um, 
where you have this ability to run huge mileage in, your, in terms of your time on feet uh, on the, during these weekend races. You always want to race. It's just like you're going to be on your feet for two to four hours every weekend, every Saturday morning, you know, no matter what's on the schedule. Like that's just your jam. And it's interesting because it's not as if you built up like these crazy hundred mile weeks. You know, when we started working together, like, you know, you were around, you know, 30 ish miles per week. And we've kind of like hung around that level to a point just because like you're always racing. So it's hard to like really kill it during the week when you know there's going to be something exciting on the weekends as well. So what's that like for you? And just in terms of your excitement to just be out there and on your feet for so long. Most of it is because I have amazing running partners and I am super competitive. And so they start doing step challenges and it's not, it's never miles challenges, it's step challenges. And so I'm like, well, I never want to lose. And so I'm going to, you know, go out and do runs with them every Saturday. And I often will start earlier and then we'll run together or um, we'll finish and then I'll keep running. But like, I absolutely love running. Like I have never had an injury. I've been very um, blessed about that. But I know every single Saturday morning, I'm going to have a long run, whether it's on my schedule or not. Like, it's just, it's part of like the consistency too. Like, I know I'm going to wake up and I'm going to get ready and I'm going to go and just have that look forward to every week. Yeah. And one thing that you have been able to do that a lot of people, if they were thrown into a similar circumstance of like, hey, yeah, I'm just going to run three hours, man. Like, whatever. No big deal. Is just your ability to just stay completely healthy, right? There's runners that I work with that so many runners out there who just have like these little aches and pains. And sometimes they grow into something, something that's far bigger than that. However, at least in our time, you've been basically injury free unless you're just, you know, holding something back and not telling me. So what's that all about? Um, just in terms of, you know, your ability to stay healthy in a way that so many people given similar circumstances would not be able to. I joke and tell people it's because I don't run fast, <laughs> but like, I just, I, you're right. I've never been injured the whole time I've been running. And so, you know, a lot of people go through cycles where they'll get one injury and then they'll get healthy. They'll get another one. But, um, I'm really good about like changing my shoes, you know, every 300 miles and, um, good about, I don't like seeing the same place every single week. And so I try to like switch it up. And so I don't know if that helps, like as far as going from different, like, Sometimes it's hilly, sometimes it's flat, sometimes it's a little mixture of both, but um, I've just been able to, I'm very consistent and I want to keep being consistent and be an injury free. All right. So you've also signed up for a 5K this weekend. So, you know, we've talked about these long miles, you know, always wanting to be like doing bigger and bigger races or more interesting things and, and all of that. However, we got a 5K coming up in a couple of days. So what was the motivation to uh, pop that on the schedule? Um, it's a race that is happening in person and it's actually eight hours away in Texas. And, um, so it's kind of an excuse for girls weekends, um, and to get there. And so I am every day checking my email, like, please don't cancel, please don't cancel. So as of right now it's happening. And the reason I don't like 5k is because you have to go hard and fast for a short amount of time. I would rather like ease into it and go, longer distance than doing a 5k because the minute you get like into it then it's over so i would and then i'm really cheap and to pay for a half marathon i look at like price per mile well for you know 60 bucks you could do a half or for 35 you could do a 5k so it works out to do the half there you go all right so what was the allure of this race in particular? You said you're going, you know, quite a distance away uh, to, to to get there. So just in terms of not only the logistical part of this, but also just with the pandemic going on and everything you're seeing in Texas, what was the what was the selection there in terms of like not only it being something that you wanted to do, but something that you felt safe enough to to uh, to go down there for? Well, my friend actually lives there. It's, the race is being put, in, put on by their running organization. And so um, I'm going to stay with her. So I'm not staying in a hotel and um, just kind of hanging out with her. And then, um, you know, like I said, we're, I'm going with two, three other girls. And so um, I feel like we're going to do our best to stay healthy. And um, I think 
I doubt there'll be more than 100 people at this race. I'm interested to see how many people sign up. So I don't know anything about the race. I think this might even be their first year. So I'll have to see how it goes. Got it. Got it. So we know, uh, especially in these kinds of conditions, that in-person racing is very touch and go. The vast majority of races have been canceled. This is a very small hometown race. There's just not going to be any be many people in it. Uh, you know, we saw a race kind of like that. The Heber Half was in Utah last weekend. Uh, similar type thing. Um, on their website, you know, they're prescribing you know, social distancing and they're going to be doing chip time. They're going to be spreading people out at the start line and things like that. So that's important to understand. Now, one thing that you have been, you have really done in the past has been um, just basically doing, doing warm up drills and stuff like that, because you've always done longer races and you just, that was just never your jam. Like you were always like, you know, get to the start line, like pop out the car and then hop, hop right in. Yes. But that will change. I will, I will listen to you. All right. So so I think for this race, it's important, first of all, to get there early, just to get the lay of the land from a safety perspective. You know what I mean? You want to be able to like, okay, this is where I need to go. This is where I need to be. I don't want to need to rush myself. I don't need to, you know what I mean? Like in terms of getting the things that you need to get, I think that's important to understand. Um, and then from a warm up perspective, you know, like we, like we were talking about before, when you're doing your trail race 15K, you know, Ultimately, you don't really need to warm up for that a whole heck of a lot. You know, you're going to be going out at pretty much your warm up pace when you start the race anyway, and that's totally fine. However, for the 5K, you know, we're going to be trying to get this around nine minute pace and maybe even a little under nine minute pace, and we're going to want to, you know, get make sure that we're amped, we're amped up, and we're ready to go. So, I think what we're going to want to do is do, you know, about a mile and a half warm up to get going. I think depending on the heat, if it's super duper duper hot. Maybe cut it down to a mile. Um, you know, it could be really hot down there. I know it was 97 degrees today <laughs> where, where you're going to be going. Uh, so it could be really hot when you, when you step up there for race day. The hotter it is, I think the less warm-up we're going to do uh, just to make sure that you're not um, using any of your, you know, you want to let any of your matches, you know, during warm-up as opposed to during the race. Uh, the key thing, though, is to do some of the dynamic stretches and then do four or five 70 to 80 meter strides before the race. And we're going to want to do those about five to 10 minutes before the start. Okay. So this is why I wanted you to get there early. So you can just find a place to get those done. And that's a little bit apart from where you're going to be starting. That way you're not going to be running next to people and getting all that, all that stuff going on. I know we had talked earlier about you're going to be starting, you know, a little bit more in the back or just away from people. And it sounds like they're going to be taking care of that as well, which is important. So make sure that we try to find a place that you can do your strides beforehand. And the key thing with these strides, we do these when we, um, on your schedule all the time doing strides, we don't want to go out too hard for these. We want to do these at around 5k pace. Okay, so not too fast. Um, the key thing here is we want to basically set the pace on these strides that you're going to use when you start the race. So you're just kind of grooving that into your legs so that you're not starting out way too fast, way too early. And that way you can try to you know, kind of negative split the 5K uh, as long as, you know, the you know, the elevation of the race allows you to do that. We're not going to talk about elevation because you hate knowing those kind of details and I'm not going to, I'm not going to ruin it for you, but you know, keep, keep that idea in mind of trying to make it. So the, the effort you're putting in the, in the last mile is slightly ahead of the effort you put in the first mile, whether or not that changes the time is, is different depending on, you know, the, the elevation of the course and wind and just other factors as well. But just keep that in mind. Um, so you're not starting out too fast. I think social distancing could help with that too, because you might just not want to run up on anybody anyway. Um, you know, that was actually, I had that, that trick uh, a couple of years ago. I was at a race and they had a downhill start and I was known for being one of those guys who would always start out way too fast and it would bite them later. So I actually started behind a woman who was, She's a fantastic runner, but she was actually pushing three of her kids in a stroller. So she had the, the triple stroller. And I was like, you know what? I'm starting behind her because I won't be able to pass her with that stroller. And it will like it will make sure that I don't go out too fast. End up being the best 5K I ran that year. Easy. 
And maybe the whole social distancing thing could provide you that same buffer because it will allow you to kind of stay at your pace. And then, you know, when the time is right and the road opens up and it's a small race anyway, which should be pretty quickly. And then you'll be able to kind of utilize your space and your speed to if you need to get around somebody, you have plenty of room to do just that. Okay, I will do all that. All right. So how are you feeling about running at a pace now, which you really haven't been doing for a while because we've been still focused on all this longer stuff? Uh, a little nervous. Um, it's like getting out of your comfort zone. I'm comfortable at going easy pace and then going, you know, where you're out of breath and you're giving it all. I haven't done that in a long time. So we'll see how it goes. All right. So. What you want to think about, especially in the first two miles, is if it's flat ground, you really shouldn't be um, laboring for breath. Okay? Like, you're not going to be able to go anaerobic, you know, for 27 minutes. You know, you just you just can't. I mean, even if you were, you know, even if you were a sub 20-minute 5K runner, you still wouldn't be able to do that. Okay? So, if you're huffing and puffing in the first mile or so, you really got to dial it back no matter what the pace is you know, in terms of like the, the time on your watch or whatever, because you won't be able to sustain it. So you want to have a little, basically want to feel a little bit like it's a little bit harder than threshold pace, especially in the beginning. Okay. So when you start a race, you know, even if a shorter race, you're not going to be breathing heavy at a certain pace at the start, just because you're not, you know, you're not oxygen deprived yet. So it's easy to start a race too fast and say like, hey, look, I'm breathing fine. Well, it's because it's it hasn't caught up to you yet. So just understand that, you know, if there's some hills, you know, if you, know, you, you could start breathing heavier on the hills. And especially if you can see the top and you're used to running tons of hills, then you can judge that accordingly. But like, all right, yeah, I'm breathing heavier up this hill. It's not a big one. I'll catch it on the way down and I'll be able to catch my breath. And that's perfectly acceptable and totally fine. It's not going to bite you in the end. Uh, but it's just important to make sure that you're not getting anaerobic early in the race. And if you are, to react accordingly. So that by the end of the race, when it, you're going to be hurting, <laughs> it's not going to be fun. You're going to try to have a smile on your face anyway, because it's going to help you. Uh, but you want to be able to prepare yourself during that last mile when you're going to be redlining to really, really push it. And you don't want to sabotage yourself earlier on. Okay. So you're used to the, the long run, you know, pain and discomfort because you do that so often. Uh, what's been, what, what do you remember from your last experience in terms of the discomfort that arises from one of these shorter races? Just the, like feeling like you're on fire like, like you're just so ready to stop. So, um, yeah, I don't like that feeling. I want to, uh, go for a long time. Well, how, how did you react in those circumstances? Do you remember fighting through? Does your first memory oh, go to yeah. the, go to the opposite? No, I definitely fight through. I'm going to finish this race. And I'm like, the most I'll be running is 30 minutes. I can endure this for 30 minutes. Any this like, the length of a show, I can do this for 30 minutes. Just keep, you know, talking to yourself and saying you can do this and it's not that bad. Yeah, you're right. And you're super tough and you show it every single week. Just remember, you know, that that last 1%, that last 2% that, you know, it's going to be calling your name at the end, you know, whether you're willing to give it all you have right, you know, right through the line, that last 400, 600 meters. I shouldn't even say that because the kick is the kick that kind of takes care of itself. It's, you know, it's that time right before the kick. So maybe from 2.25 miles to 2.75 miles, right? Or two, two and a half to three miles where you're going to have this point where your body's going to be begging you to just ease up a little bit and, you know, you know, academically going in like, hey, like, I don't want to do that. I want to fight. I'm here to race. I'm here to give my best effort. So be prepared during those circumstances. Go in knowing what you're going to say to yourself when that comes up, because it's going to come for sure. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And you just have to know it. You just have to know it. And you've got to be able to like, you know, that that discomfort's going to be riding shotgun telling you to pull over and you got to be able to just grab the wheel and keep on driving and kiss, you know. 
ram your foot on the accelerator anyway. Yes, I will do that. So with all of that being said, you've had, again, an awesome spring. You've got an interesting race coming up. What are your thoughts about the fall, considering that everyone's plans have kind of gone out the window? Um, I'm kind of hesitant to sign up for anything. I kind of liked your advice about, you know, find a race that you want that has like a good deferment if it gets deferred. Um, I want to do different states. And so trying to figure out, okay, where I would want to go and do a race in it. And then I really wasn't thinking about a marathon, but then I was like, oh, you know what? It would be pretty fun to run a marathon again. Like I did your marathon and I really had no um, plans to do another one. I was like, that was fun. I want to do that again, like an actual race setting and, you know, like have time goals for that. And so I was like, that wasn't terrible. I want to do that again. So um, I've been kind of looking at different websites and kind of just seeing if they will have any open and then, you know, what's their policy on um, if you sign up, is it going to go virtual or do you get a deferment for 2021? But I would like to do a new state and do another full. Allison, you you are just so awesome. I, I love how you put that. You're like, yeah, I just I just did a quick marathon. You know, it, it was fun. It was so enjoyable. You know, I hadn't really thought about it. Like anyone else who's like, yeah, I'm just gonna go run for five hours, like without like putting a ton of forethought into it. Like that that would be inconceivable. And the fact that you can just do those things, and then like I remember. You know, I remember like a week later, I was like trying to hold you back. I'm like, all right, listen, we really need to recover. You're like, I'm totally fine, dude. I'm fine. I'm I'm not even bothered. Yeah, I felt great. Like I could have probably ran another one the next day. I I wish I was like you. This is the exact opposite of my body type. It's like the I think I'm still recovering from marathon from like a decade ago. So I think it's like so awesome that you're able to do that. I'm so excited for you to try something not new because you've done these races before, but it's you know it's like a used car. It's new to you. You haven't done this you know a 5K in a while. It'll be exciting to see what happens. And I think after that, you know, I think that the main thing is just to find some activities, races, or challenges that just get you really excited, you know, no matter what they are. Uh, and then we can kind of plan for that because with the fact that you know, we don't know what's going on with races, the one positive thing about that is that you don't have to worry about like, all right, like these are races that are really popular or around me or my friends are doing. So that's what I should do or, or any kind of external force that can kind of guide you towards something. However, you can kind of just do the opposite and say, hey, this is the stuff that I'm interested in. So let's go make it happen. And if we have a little foresight on it, we can try to make those races as good as they can be. Yes. And normally, like pre-COVID, um, it was everyone would sign up for a popular race and I would want to steer clear. Like the Disney challenges, that amount of people stresses me out. And so I like the small, intimate little, they have 100 people. They tell you to like go that's great. So I'm looking the complete opposite of what normal people look at that don't have like lotteries. And so you can just sign up the week of and show up is kind of what my jam is. Well, you know what? And there's, and if that's, if that's your jam, then we don't need to change it. What we can just do throughout the rest of the year. And obviously this is always subject to change is that we can just say, you know what, we're just going to be as fit as we can be. And then if something pops up that's spontaneous that you really want to get into, then you're ready to go and we'll just kind of keep that moving. And then at some point kind of designate like a little bit of a recovery period um, again no. within, 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 within balance, right? Like I have, okay. I have a runner who I'm working with Melissa Chen, who's, who's a run streaker. And then for her, you know, it doesn't count for her, like, you know, it's, it's, it's just her personal thing. She doesn't count if she, if she runs less than like a 5k per day. So like for her recovery period, but she runs, you know, roughly 50 miles a week. So for her recovery period is like doing four miles a day for a week. Okay. You're not talking about like nothing a week. Okay. Yeah. It's not like a full on six weeks off. It's like, okay, we're going to do a recharge, right? Okay. You can stay active or you can just say, you know, I'm just going to go for like really long walks, right? I got, I live in a hilly area. I'm going to run, I'm going to walk an hour a day. I'm still going to be active. I'm going to, you know, get that and be outside, do all that stuff. And I'm just not going to be running that week, right? So yeah. there's a lot of ways to do that. But I think that those recharge 
periods, even short ones, can just be really beneficial, uh, not just from our, from a physical standpoint, but also mentally and emotionally and you know, motivationally, inspirationally, a lot of alis. But you can throw a lot of things in there. But um, I think those, those can be helpful, uh, again, and I think there's a lot of ways um, to do it. It's not just one uniform policy. I will, I will listen and do the recovery period. Um, oh, so on, uh, for race day. So we talked about the warm up, talked about the race. I know I've, you know, did a little race plan on your calendar as well. Um, after the race, I don't know what you have planned because it is a girl's weekend, but if you just want to do your normal thing and just put in a bunch of miles post race as part of your cool down slash basically run number two of the day, you know, feel free to do your thing. Awesome. That sounds like a good plan. All right. Thinking of stopping at three. <laughs> I can't see you doing that. You're like, all no. right, that's not the finish line. That's the end of my warm up. I'm just going to keep going. Mm-hmm. Well, Allison, thank you. Thank you so much for chatting, for turning this into a podcast segment as well. I really appreciate that. And good luck this weekend. Thank you so much. Seth and Allison, thank you so much for uh, letting me record. These uh, these kind of monthly or uh, bi-monthly phone calls that we do with the athletes, this was a lot of fun. Obviously, this wasn't the typical coach's call that I provide to them because, you know, I would usually be doing some of the context that we were putting out there on this show. But I think you got a little taste of what these conversations are like, but even more so what these people are like. They're just fantastic people. And I love talking to them and being part of their lives. That's for sure. Big shout out to Prevenex. Thank you so much for sponsoring this and all of the episodes. Use code RUNNER15 at Prevenex.com. Save 15% on your first order. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Go check out the business and sports discourse. Again, it's the intersection of business and endurance sports. I think you're really going to like it. I certainly love recording it. So thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest of states these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.